Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season three, episode four, and we're coming to you today again from Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of the lower 48th shortest summer. We had uh, a foot of snow on May 20th, and it snowed again on October 10th, and oh my goodness, that's a little too much winter, <laughs> may I, I say. I am very thankful right now that I live in Pennsylvania. I'm Terry, and I'm the church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan. I am a, the church planning leader for the Alliance in Eastern PA and the Northeast region coordinating. And uh, today, Alan, we're privileged to host uh, Tim Crouch, our vice president for Alliance Missions. And I'm super excited about that, actually. I'm really excited. And what we're aiming for here is uh, not just a great update from Tim, which I'm sure we will get, but also something that maybe as a pastor or church leader, you could hand this off to an upcoming leader or somebody relatively new to your church and say, hey, listen to this. This is a great intro to our heart in Alliance Missions and and uh, what we're all about. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so hope this gets spread far and wide for uh, people to listen to and catch the heartbeat of Alliance Mission. So without further ado, we're going to jump into this uh, interview with Tim Crouch. So uh, grab some coffee, uh, two creams in mind, please. Set back, Black relax, and here we go. And we're pleased today to welcome to Equipping You Podcast our good friend and the Vice President for Alliance Missions, Tim Crouch. Tim, thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm glad to join you today. It's great to be with you. A little bit impromptu here, but uh, we're happy to have uh, Tim and tap into a little bit of uh, information about his life and about Alliance Mission. So, Tim, first of all, if you would uh, just kind of start off by giving us a little bit of uh, your story of your spiritual journey and how you began to sense God's call into uh, ministry and missions yeah, I'm glad to share. You know, uh, my story is uh, quite an Alliance story, really. Uh, I grew up in a family in an Alliance church, and uh, it was at that church that I found the Lord and at that church that I found my calling. I think it was as I was growing up as a, uh, as a young guy that I began to sense that um, God would not, would not only uh, change my life, um, and draw me to himself, but that he might be pleased to use me. And so I sought him for that. Um, went on to one of our Alliance colleges. Uh, I'm a Nyack grad, and I spent my years there. And it was really, once I got to Nyack is when I really felt the Lord clarify that his ministry calling for me was actually about uh, this thing that I've come to call today disparity of gospel access. And that's really where the Lord began to draw me toward a missionary ministry, toward our international uh, ministries around the world. So the Alliance family, both in my church and in camps that I went to and uh, in my time at NIAC in my studies, uh, played a big role in me being able to hear God's voice and follow him. 
And you grew up in Western PA, if I'm correct. I did grow up in Western PA. And your first church was in Eastern PA. That's right. I did shout out Eastern PA. (laughs) And then Nyack. So you are dyed in the wool, heartland, Christian and missionary alliance. Well, it depends on where your heart is, I suppose, across the country. <laughs> no uh, doubt about that. But yeah, I had uh, I had the joy of being from that part of the world, and a uh, lot of just a lot of wonderful Alliance people spoke into my life along the way. Amen. Amen. Aren't we thankful for that? Yeah. So uh, after Eastern PA, uh, tell us uh, tell us how God took you on a journey of serving and where you've served. Uh, yeah. In uh, in 1995, our family left uh, the corner of. Pennsylvania, down near Philadelphia, and we went to Russia to serve with the Alliance. Uh, Alliance work began in Russia in in 93, really, is when we began to send international workers. And so our family joined that team in 1995, um, did our language study in southern Russia, and uh, served in that part of the country down around the Black Sea for about half of our 15 years there. The other half, uh, we lived in Moscow as the work of the Alliance began to spread and we planted our our main office in that capital city. We made that move and we're there up until 2010. And we should mention that Tim's wife is Shelly. Yeah. I actually met Shelly before I met Tim because she came to our church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania to do missions uh, conference and then didn't meet Tim until a few years later when he was serving as uh, regional director. And uh, they walked my legs off uh, around an intriguing city. Yeah, that's so right. It was it was fun. So uh, appreciate Tim that you're a strategic leader. You're not a status quo leader by any stretch of the imagination. So over the last uh, several months, you've been praying and dreaming and implementing uh, a whole new structure in Alliance uh, missions. And we'd love to have you talk about mm-hmm. that for a while. Yeah, you know. Uh, when I talk about changes in Alliance missions, including that one right there, you know, uh, right. we just began using that term Alliance missions uh, in a, a specific way uh, as the name of, of this part of our ministry uh, in this past year. But um, when I talk about the changes that we've been experiencing uh, in any audience, I always get both of two different reactions uh, to that. And one reaction is, hey, nothing new here, Tim. Uh, I think I've known these things, or I've been familiar with the fact that we've been operating that way for some time. And the other response that I hear is, what? That's, I didn't know that. That sounds new to me. (laughs) So I think that's, that's really the nature of where we are. Uh, Frankly, I think that what is demanded in this chapter of missions, this chapter of great completion, great commission completion that we're living in is that things have had to change. Our approach has had to change. And, and frankly, our approach is broadening. Uh, today, we like to talk about the fact that our, our strategic focus is on serving communities, multiplying church networks, and developing people. And, and I can tell you that as we move to more significantly unreached parts of the world and and the peoples there, we will not get to make disciples and see churches planted and multiplied if we don't first come to serve. And that's a journey we've been on for 
a couple of decades, sure. really. And so yeah. that's why there are some alliance people saying, hey, I get this. We've been changing. And, you know, in our church, we've had our arms around some comma workers, some marketplace ministry personnel. We know that story. But in other churches, uh, it seems new uh, as we begin to speak about, hey, these are all important ministries. We want to embrace them all, and we actually want to synergize them, integrate them in increasingly productive ways. Uh, that's really what it's about. So I've often told people it reminds me of my, of my cell phone. Sometimes I add apps to my phone, but if I'm not careful, I miss the little message that says, hey, it's time to upgrade the operating system. Yeah. So I could add some cool apps to my phone. But if I don't upgrade the operating system, I might discover in time they're not really doing all they were intended to do. Maybe they could even conflict with each other, uh, get in each other's way. And I sort of feel like that's where we are with change in Alliance missions. We have been changing for some time. We've added apps to our phone. Uh, right now, what we really want to do is build an operating system that leverages this breadth of modes of ministry that God has led us to so that uh, it can be extremely fruitful for what he's calling us to in the days ahead. Yeah. So you got this cool T-shirt, meanwhile, that has these four different uh, expressions of Alliance missions. Can you kind of yeah. walk us through mm -hmm. each one of those, Tim? Yeah. So uh, as we began to broaden through the years, uh, we moved from uh, really one structure, one group of international workers uh, to multiple groups. So if you go back to the 70s and then the 80s, comma was added first out of the Southeast Asian crisis uh, that took place around the Vietnam War. Uh, people in need, refugees uh, moving out of their countries, comma was created. And comma, uh, now one of our four specialized structures, uh, has grown over the years uh, as we've seen the value and the biblical soundness of ministering to people in great times of need through relief, uh, whether that be uh, from uh, natural disasters or man-made uh, cataclysms, uh, or engaging more long-term in places where people live in chronic poverty uh, and where the, the community needs to experience lift and, and a realization of their assets in a way that would be more God-honoring and open the door to the gospel. So we added pieces along the way. Marketplace ministries became uh, a way. It really came onto the forefront when the opportunity for people to engage in communist countries where they hadn't been welcome uh, opened up for professionals. And as people can get jobs in those countries and work in the professional sphere, the opportunity for their witness grew. So these pieces added uh, along the way, first comma, then marketplace ministries. Um, more recently, 10 years ago, it's been 10 years now since we started Envision. Mm -hmm. uh, Envision focuses on uh, creative ministries in urban settings where we can say to folks from our U.S. Alliance churches, come join us in numbers whether that's in trips or whether that's in people that do uh, internships of a few months or a year or even two years. Uh, and the investment that Envision represents is not only in the ministry target group in those locations, but the opportunity to disciple 
and raise up, particularly amongst young people, uh, people that will be more mission-hearted uh, and mission-minded and mission-engaged uh, for uh, the Alliance movement in the future. So as we added those three along the way, guess what? The, the big uh, number of most of our international workers said, wait a minute, we've kind of lost we don't have a name <laughs> like they do. We've lost our identity. And frankly, one of the reasons we moved from international ministries to uh, the new name of Alliance Missions for the whole is that some people were thinking international ministries was a name of the part, uh, the non-comma or marketplace ministries or envision part rather than the whole. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know what, let's just come up with a new name for the whole. And it's all... Alliance people doing missions together, so we call it Alliance Missions. And we created the name Access uh, for those of our people, the majority of our international workers that are teamed together and that work with the long-term goal of seeing uh, disciples made, networks of churches emerge that will be strong enough to carry the ball further uh, and to make sure that others are reached. So uh, access is that group of people. We misspell the word access with a big X in the middle because that reminds us uh, of the point. If we want to multiply access to the gospel amongst the unreached of the world, one of the best ways to do that is to multiply networks of churches that have the strength to join that process and to carry it on. We really believe that's how the Great Commission will be fulfilled. Amen. Wow, that is a beautiful statement of that. And actually, I think we're trying to embrace that on the U.S. level as well. Networks of churches uh, increase multiplication. So we buy into that with you. You know what, Tim? You know, I did not have your Alliance story. I had zero idea what the Alliance was mm -hmm. until I went to Lancaster Bible College and just ran into Lancaster Alliance Church, a church that had everything in sense of deeper life and missions, great commitment. And my heart was won over. Mm. And I would say, I hope in a healthy way, I'm very proud to see how the Alliance has not just tried to do missions, but to think it through. And these four descriptions you just gave us of our four arms of it, so to speak, that's powerful and it's holistic mm. and I'm grateful. So out of this, it's exciting because there's a whole bunch of new workers mm -hmm. going out. So you want to tell us a little bit about uh, yeah. this new... Well, let me jump right on what you just said, Alan, because um, uh, one of the things that excites me about a more intentional embrace of these multiple modes of ministry through our four specialized branches, our four specialized structures, is that what it really means is that there's more uh, room for more Alliance people to be more involved in Alliance Amen. missions than has been true for a long time. So uh, I, uh, I love uh, how deeply rooted our mission is in our churches, and we really want to convey the message that uh, as God grabs the heart of people in our uh, Alliance Church ministries, there are more avenues for involvement than, than perhaps uh, many of us have been thinking uh, or have been aware of, and we really want to make that known, and we want to see lots of people involved. Mm. So as we reach out into... Uh, people that remain underserved around our world, where access to the gospel is minimal, uh, or in some cases even non-existent, we're also noticing that these people groups are characterized often by two things. One is great levels of need in their communities, in their society. And the other is 
that they might just be antagonistic toward what they understand about Christianity. So, you know, there's a reason that the last to be reached are last to be reached. Yeah. They're hard to reach. Yeah. So the overwhelming need that they live in, the difficult circumstances of their life can be a reason. And um, in, in, in an increasing number of, of people groups of the world that are adherents of one of the five major religions of the world, they, they often understand their identity in contrast to what they believe to be the identity of the Christian people of the world. So, wow, how do you do that? Well, you, you, you probably are not going to be received in those communities primarily because you're a carrier of the gospel. You're probably going to be received and valued in those communities if you bring a value add. And so the way we need to serve communities in multiple ways, uh, I love it when I hear local people uh, say of our international workers when I go to visit, you know, I'm really glad these people came. They came to do this, and if you guys are going to come here and do this, thank you. Thank you for coming here. That's really the posture with which we've got to begin, and, and that's the way some of these new opportunities are growing. So uh, through the, the, the year-end campaign that finishes 2019 and brings us into 2020, we've, we've been talking about new pathways uh, that God has opened up, and many of those uh, our pathways where we know there's a need for the gospel, the gospel access available to people is minimal, but we've also been able to see how God's called some alliance people and gifted them in ways that tangibly meet needs of those communities. So whether it's working with a refugee population, you know, one of our, one of our 12 pathways in that year end uh, emphasis was uh, the largest group of uh, recent refugees on the planet today. Uh, people without a place to live uh, can't get back to their homeland and they're stuck and what's the future hold and where's life going and we've been able to enter there because we can address some particular needs that those people have. Um, and on and on it goes. Uh, we saw uh, the deployment of our first family that we can remember uh, anyway this past year where uh, the family, uh, one of the family members uh, is deaf and they are speakers uh, of sign language. Uh, interestingly, they went to Burkina Faso where they've got to learn a new sign language and they've got to learn French because they still have to be able to read and write and communicate in the French language. So what a tall order. But the the wonderful thing about seeing that family go is that there's a deaf community uh, in that country that, like the deaf community in most unreached peoples of the world, is even more unreached, even less advantaged with opportunities to hear the gospel than the hearing community. So we praise God for that. I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. Um, you know, on and on it goes where, where we see the convergence of disparity of gospel access and uh, needs in the community that God can equip Alliance people uh, to meet, uh, those become the new pathways that we're seeking to follow as we move forward. Yeah. I was privileged to uh, run into that couple where the husband is uh, deaf on West African soil a few months ago and uh, hearing a little bit about the start of their ministry and uh, mothers who have deaf children who are of other religions, 
who are so pleased that someone's loving their kids and wow. caring for their kids. It was it was heartwarming and and I think uh, a little bit prophetic of of what's going to happen as their ministry continues there in uh, West Africa. So typically, Tim, in a normal year, recently we've maybe sent out thirty some missionaries or international workers, whatever we want to call mm-hmm. them. And uh, 2019, the year passed, we sent out 62 or so new missionaries. How in the world did that happen? Well, you know, I'm not sure if I know all the reasons that it converged. Uh, we have been averaging somewhere between 35 and 40 per year that we've been sending out. And so we saw this one brewing when we saw applications beginning to come in. Uh, I think one of the things at play, it's been about uh, seven or eight years now since we changed the way that we uh, try to uh, help those who feel God's call move forward. And, you know, we used to kind of pull everybody toward qualification. You get in this pool of the qualified, and then we talk about where you could go. Uh, now we we write up the specific opportunities that we see, the specific roles that we need to fill and give uh, candidates, give people in the pipeline a chance to interact with those, which they do by going online to our website under serve, and then they can see the international opportunities. We renew those every January. And it's as people have been looking at those and responding to those that um, I think we've been able to help people see that we need both people of church ministry competencies, what we call our clergy track, Mm -hmm. uh, and people in these other vocational roles that help us serve communities. So I think that's just, that's catching on uh, and becoming more evident and drawing more people of both types forward in the process. So I think that's one thing that's been going on. Um, You know, I I really want to believe that another part of it is just the temperature going up uh, in our Alliance family. We're getting kind of refocused Amen. on our passions uh, for following the Lord of the harvest and what he's doing in this world yeah. and how can we get on board. And boy, I'd love to see that borne out in the years to come uh, and give us the opportunity to send more and more workers. Yeah, so uh, expand on that a little bit, Tim, because we're, we're doing these SEEK events in mm-hmm. 2020, yeah. seven of them across the U.S., where we talk about deeper life and missions. And that's kind of been the, uh, the heartbeat of the Alliance dating back to our founder, Dr. Simpson. So what's the connection right. there between deeper life and missions? Well, you know, I, I, I've, you see it in, in different verbiage. I was just looking at a photograph uh, from back in Simpson's days recently on some publication, and there was a big banner that said the whole gospel for the whole world. And so there it was. You know, what does the whole gospel mean? And, you know, from our very beginning, Simpson and his colleagues were, were, were recognizing that there's a depth of commitment to a yieldedness to Jesus that really opens our heart's door to the fullness of his sufficiency and of his power that, that comes into our lives. And that that whole gospel, that whole experience, that deeper life uh, is what leads us into the places where Jesus, who's also the Lord of the harvest, uh, is going, and the places where he's investing, the places that are on his heart. So, you know, if the closer we get to Jesus personally, 
the more we're going to be in step with what Jesus is doing in the world today. He's not forgotten about the peoples of the world. They're as much on his heart as we are. And so the closer we draw to the heart of Jesus, the more we lay down the things of the world that get in the way and the distractions uh, that could drag us down and, and seek him and then receive uh, his heart and his fullness, I think the more we're going to be in step with what he wants to do around the world. So this is what we emphasize in uh, our seek events. You know, today we say this, we talk about deeper life and missions under the banner of all of Jesus for all the world. So it, it really doesn't matter which words we've applied to it and which part of our history. Uh, a big secret uh, of the Alliance, and really not only of the Alliance, of God's people everywhere that are passionately in step with him in making a difference in the completion of the Great Commission. Uh, the rule of thumb is this, the deeper we go with Jesus, the further we're ready to go with Jesus. And my prayer is that uh, we will see uh, just increasing levels uh, of yieldedness to Christ, of fullness of his spirit in us, and of uh, our uh, action with him in the world that he loves so deeply. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. The Apostle Paul captured it, right? That Christ's love for us compels us to share his love with others. Amen. That's beautiful. Amen. So we love stories, and yeah. uh, I, we would love to hear some from you because you know them. <laughs> well, you know, I think about the places in the world, and people sometimes ask me, where, wh like, what's the really, really happening place, or, <laughs> or where is it really hard? Some people want to hear those stories. Mm. Uh, I am just thrilled uh, with what I see God doing in Cambodia today. Mm. Uh, I think Cambodia is the country on the face of the planet where we see the most fruitful response to gospel ministry today anywhere. Wow. You know, if you go back uh, 35 years ago, the church had been almost snuffed out through the horrible things that people experienced uh, uh, under the Khmer Rouge regime. But the church is advancing. The Alliance Church has grown. The Alliance-related church in Cambodia is not the only church that's growing uh, I mean, if you if you study the news at all about where are things pumping uh, around the world, Cambodia is one of those today. Uh, our team in Cambodia has a vision to see churches in every province uh, of the country by the year 2023, and they're right on track. Beautiful. And so today, if you visit our staff in Cambodia, uh, you can't just easily see them all by visiting the capital city because they're out in these provinces. Uh, including a family that went back after their home assignment and moved to the province where the Khmer Rouge regime grew up in the first place wow. and where they were most deeply entrenched. And now we're seeing churches planted uh, in that region. So, man, thankful for the Lord to the Lord for what's going on in that country. Uh, I've been telling a story lately, and I'll, I'll see if I can squeeze it in here. But uh, one of my... <laughs> a story that just amazes me, and I love it, because it teaches us something as well, is taking place amongst the Vili people of the Republic of Congo uh, in Africa. Uh, a few years ago, after seeing a number of peoples respond to the gospel and churches raised up, we began to downsize our staff there. But we had, we had a couple that said, don't send us away. We feel like this group of people, the Vili people, God uh, wants to bring to himself. 
And they, they also wanted to stay because they really had felt like we, we, we think we've come to understand that these people keep everything they hold dear in stories. And if they've not been responsible to the, if they've not been responsive to the gospel thus far, perhaps we've not been communicating well. And they committed themselves to the conveyance of the stories of the Bible in the way that the Vili people themselves tell stories. And in their test week, this was two years ago, to try out the stories they had crafted, uh, they saw 54 Vili individuals respond to the gospel and follow Jesus in one week wow. of, awesome. of testing of their methodology. Yeah. I think that I think they passed that test. Wow. Yeah. Confirmation. Uh, hey, two years later, there are about 250 Vili believers in churches uh, that weren't there before. This was an unresponsive people group. And uh, recently, that couple went back to visit one of those churches, and, and the people said, hey, we have a question for you. Listen, on the other side of this big lake in our country, there's another group of people. They don't speak our language, but some of us speak their language. And so this year when we planted our gardens, a few of us planted an extra field. At the end of the harvest, we want to sell the vegetables from that extra field. We were thinking we could use that money to put these stories into their language and get the gospel to them wow. as well. Wow. Do you think that would be okay? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. That was their question. Yeah, yeah. And wow. I love that story because we see that God has a way to reach all peoples, yeah. and he will do it in his time. Yeah. But the other thing I love about that story is God loves to use found sheep to reach lost sheep. Yeah. God loves it when receivers become givers. And frankly, that's how the Great Commission will be fulfilled. Mm. As one group of people who receive the gospel have a heart for another group that needs it. So I love that story. Uh, it's a great picture of what God's doing uh, among some peoples of the world today. And it's a great picture uh, of really what's the lifeblood of our organization. One group as we gain strength and can carry the gospel to others, seeing them also gain strength to keep it going until Jesus returns. Amen. Amen. Great. Wow. Well, hey, if, if you happen to be an Alliance International worker and you're out there listening to this uh, podcast, let us say thank you. Mm. For couples Amen. who say, no, we can't leave here because we believe God's going to work, <laughs> thank you for your persistence, perseverance. For those who are entering dark and dangerous places, where uh, Christianity isn't necessarily seen in a, a bright light, but you know God's called you there, and you're taking the risk of faith to go there. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you, and we're so pleased to stand by you in prayer and stand by you in financial support. Tim, thanks for what you do. Thanks for your leadership, Amen. and Thank you. uh, thanks for stopping by the Equipping You podcast studio today. Very Great glad to, to do it. Uh, very glad to do it. So thankful to our churches, uh, our pastors and leaders in yep. them, yep. and to every lay person that's saying yes to Jesus. Let's do this together. Amen. Amen. This is a team effort, and uh, glad to be a part of this Alliance team, uh, communicating Jesus to the world. Well, Alan, I love being a part of this Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. Me too. What'd you think of that episode, my friend? Well, we said at the intro that we want something that uh, pastors and church leaders can be encouraged about, but also share with other people to introduce them into Alliance Missions. I think that Tim hit a home run for us. So I'm going to take your job today and say, share this in every way you possibly can, because we want this message to uh, get out to a lot of people so that they're as excited as we are 
about what we get the opportunity to do in the Alliance as we take the name of Jesus across the United States and around the world. I'll tell you what, my heart is beating fast after that last story about the Vali people in Congo. Wow. That is the gospel in motion. It absolutely is. So thanks for being a part of this uh, Equipping You podcast episode. We look forward to uh, you joining us next time. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.